Welcome to the Cycling BC podcast, where we connect you to members of the cycling community to discuss events, training, nutrition, racing, and just about everything that has anything to do with cycling. Jay Lamaru has been riding bikes his whole life, starting with bike camping trips with his dad when he was a kid. He would go on to join local cycling clubs in his hometown of Victoria, BC, and create a track for himself on a pathway to the provincial and national teams. Jay has represented Canada on the national track cycling team at World Cups, World Championships, the Pan Am Games, Commonwealth Games, and most recently at the Tokyo 2020 Summer Olympics, where Jay and the team put on a historic performance by setting a new national record and finishing fifth overall, giving Canada its best result in the event in 89 years. Back from his Olympic debut, Jay Lamoureux joins us on the podcast as he reflects on his Olympic Games experience and the years of hard work and the community support it took to help get him there. You know, first and foremost, I guess, congratulations on your Olympic debut at the Tokyo Olympic Games. Thank you. How do you feel? Um, I mean, I'm still, you know, kind of reflecting a lot on it. Um, you know, taking it all in. It's, it, it wasn't, you know, it's not just about the, the games. It's about you know, the previous five years, the, all the lead up and the hard work and sacrifice, dedication, COVID. Yeah. I mean, it's been a pretty crazy journey, you know, and uh, it takes a, quite a while to kind of digest what just happened. Yeah. You know, that it actually did happen. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you I, said, it's not just about the games. Like, the games are just, like I was using the the analogy of the iceberg, right? It's just the tip of the iceberg. Oh, and exactly. the last yeah. five years is everything underneath that that nobody else sees that you've been working on. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's the funny that's the funny part about the Olympics is that um no I mean I don't wouldn't say no one cares, but you know the general public doesn't really know what's what goes on and what it takes for the four or five years previous to actually performing there they only see the performance you know they it's like it's like just like the media you know the media doesn't really look at you too much until you know a month two months out that's at least what i noticed right and then they you know you're you're kind of in the spotlight and then the spotlight fades after the games and you're kind of back to square one a little bit yeah yeah and it's like that for a a lot of the kind of um, non-mainstream sports that you see yeah. it's like every four years they'll get their kind of time to shine during the Olympics and after that they kind of fall to the background again um, according to to what the general public sees anyways because these aren't yeah. sports that you you typically see on your on your networks or mainstream um, television or whatever yeah, so yeah yeah definitely yeah. these sports kind of you know they exist because of the Olympics so, I mean, that makes sense that that's the biggest stage. And uh, you kind of, I mean, I don't know what would have happened if, if there was no Olympics this last year. I think it yeah. would have been very, very difficult for a lot of small sports to kind of still exist. Yeah, and I, I think that's one everything. of the things I enjoy about the Olympics as well is just getting exposed to different sports that you don't typically see or even have heard about. You know, yeah. a lot of the... The, the niche sports, um, you know, I think, I, I don't know what, what the research says, if there's a, a, a bump in interest or participation in those types of sports because of 
big events like the Olympics. Um, I'm not sure, but it certainly provides great exposure, right, on, on the world's biggest stage, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. So where um, are you now? Oh, I'm at I'm up island actually at in Kualika Beach at oh, um, a family a family place. So I'm spending some time on the beach and uh, a bit of fishing, just kicking back and relaxing and kind of uh, just enjoying myself. Nice, good for you. You're doing it right. So is that been what it's been like since you've been back? Just uh, chilling, quiet time. Uh, I had a a couple days um, in Victoria where. Uh, we did a bit of like media and stuff and, uh, saying hi to family folks that I haven't seen for a while. Um, we did a little celebration with a few other Olympians, um, which was really nice. And, uh, now, okay. now nah, nah we're, now nah I'm into, you know, max relax mode. Yeah. Right on. Have you, have you caught anything yet? Yeah. I was, yeah. uh, pink, pink sound fishing today. Oh, nice. Oh, beautiful. I know you, you said you were still kind of processing everything that's happened during the games in the past five years. Are you experiencing any Olympics withdrawal at all? Um, I, it, was only, it was only really actually a week ago that you were like, it was, yeah, records. <laughs> it was, it's, it's been a, it's been a, you know, from going from a hundred to zero, it's, it's definitely, a bit of a shock to the body for sure. Okay. Um, like I would say, yeah, probably experiencing a bit of Olympic withdrawal, you know, like living with people constantly, my teammates, not just my teammates, but also like, um, the rest of cycling Canada, you know, interacting with them on a daily basis and then maybe never seeing some of them again. It's, you know, that's the sad part, part about, team sport at least um you know you get to know these people so well and then the next day you're just well i maybe yeah. i'll never see you again so yeah. it's been uh definitely a bit of an emotional roller coaster um at the same time like uh i i've been feeling pretty burnt out like that last year was very it was it was it's difficult i'm sure for everybody um just mentally and physically challenging having pushed yourself to you know like 110 percent and mm -hmm. then you know they ask you to do that again that's uh mm -hmm. that's that's a big challenge and yeah. um you can see just like from some performances at the games you know some people just like reacted to it differently some people took the challenge on and performed really really well and some people struggled with that kind of challenge mm -hmm. and i can i think it just depends on where you're at like i mean you see with like simone biles or someone famous like that well especially simone biles and you know she she was having mental health challenges at the games and oh yeah i think there was a lot of athletes who were you know had pushed themselves a bit too far um right. with this last year was it yeah because of this last year like what was your initial reaction when they announced the postponement of the games last year yeah what was, what was um, your reaction to that it was i mean initially i was deterred and pretty frustrated um 
you and felt like you, were, you felt like you were ready ready to go then for for oh yeah absolutely yeah. i was definitely like yeah i i had done all the work you know i was feeling pretty confident in myself and i think i well i'm not yeah it was it was an interesting yeah it was an interesting circumstance uh personally yeah i think that like um i was ready but with the team not having performed at um, Worlds in 20, I guess it was 2019 Worlds. No, maybe 2020 Worlds. It was the last World Champions we did. We did. Okay. Um, in Berlin. Uh, we kind of underperformed significantly. And, um, you know, like, like kind of reflecting on it, I think that this this last year gave us a chance to you know, go back to the drawing board and, and really um, create a new plan, try some new things and just not, like, we kind of weren't scared of, we weren't scared of losing, so we had everything to gain. And we used this last year to the best that we possibly could have. And, you know, we trained so well. And, um, like, I'm really proud of, what we did in the last year, like the accomplishment of just going so much faster and trying new techniques and things that, you know, teams that had something to lose would have never tried at the Olympic games. And, oh, yeah. uh, I think that really showed with our performances there. And I think that's really cool that, you know, we kind of put it all together, weren't scared of losing and, and went really fast. And yeah, you guys went hard right off the yeah. bat yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's pretty cool um how long have you been on this team um so my first world cup was in i think it was hong kong in 2015 okay um but i i had, i made the national team before then um uh, but that was my first race with them okay and how how long had it been? I know you've talked about working towards this for the past five years, but how how long have you really been working towards this goal? Had it always been um, a goal of yours to to make it to the Olympics? I had it had been a goal of mine for quite a long time. Yeah, um, I remember I remember in elementary school running cross country okay. and thinking about the Olympics. That's kind of like one of my first memories oh. of really being, uh, you know, that being a big goal of mine for sure. What what inspired you to to have that as a goal? Um, well, I would say Olympians, like in the neighborhood, like Simon Whitfield lives. Oh yeah, you know, a few blocks down from me. Um, I he was he was one of the rabbits at the cross country meets when I was in okay. elementary school. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So, like, I mean, just being introduced to that and then watching these watching these athletes on TV, um, I that was quite inspiring to okay. me, for sure. That's awesome. Um, and what was your, like, when you had that goal in mind, what was your particular track or pathway to, to getting there? I know you've been riding bikes for, you know, forever since, since you were... Very young. Yeah, um, yeah, for quite a while. You, you rode with um, with Triple Shot as as a youth, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, like, what was your actual 
pathway started riding with the club and um ride with the provincial I, team on to national yeah. type of thing yeah yeah kind of like that um yeah like definitely some local club teams for quite a while um i kind of when i was young i i picked up cycling and um wasn't really, sure about, wasn't really sure about being competitive but i didn't i really enjoyed cycling and i um you know my dad and i we we do a lot of bike camping in the summer times so okay. uh that was kind of a bit of a gateway to you know longer road rides and stuff and then after that um uh yeah i ended up uh joining a club team uh for a while and then i kind of uh went to school well, I guess I went to like high school and got more immersed in studies and stuff and uh, kind of tucked that away for a little bit mm-hmm. um, and then refound it when I was in my like later last couple of years of high school. Um, I had some close friends of mine who were really involved in the cycling community and um, I ended up getting, getting out riding with them, joining Triple Shot, um just having like yeah uh, some good peers and we had a really good friend group that loved to ride bikes and we had a lot of fun and i think that was kind of what uh really drove me to being competitive and and uh okay you know, just kind of keep climbing the ranks you you said you and your dad used to do a lot of bike uh, packing or bike camping did you have any family members that were into competition at all in um, not not really um no actually i really know no okay uh, yeah yeah like just my dad he used to mountain bike quite a bit mm-hmm. apart from that not really okay um and you know you know the saying it takes a village to raise a child yeah um it takes a village to to raise an olympian I think as well, you need you really need a good support system. Um, you mentioned some of your friends that were into cycling that, that got you into into it a little bit more. Like, who are some of the other people in your village that helped you along the way? Yeah, of course. Um, well, like uh, one of my best friends, Brianna Polly. I know she's you know she's been a figurehead in the cycling BC community for a long time, and uh, you know we went to school ever since. Uh, middle school together so i've always i always knew about her competing in cycling and yeah um saw her like missing school and stuff for races and um you know she kind of was one of the catalysts and uh, of course like lister ferrar as well in the triple shot uh, oh, yeah. community um he was one of my first coaches um you know and then i had i even had the teachers in high school like uh, Eric Simonson and Trevor McKenzie and other people oh, yeah. who are also okay. cyclists in the community. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's everywhere in Victoria, you know, oh, it's, yeah. it's interconnected in everything we do. And it's yeah, just like, a, it's just a, you know, like a, an amazing community. There's so much support and, you know, it kind of gave me like so much, uh, yeah, so much reason and, and uh, confidence and everything like that. Yeah. That there's such a, awesome community over there yeah. um, what they did for you in uh sending you off to the olympic games with 
that weekend um, yeah. at, at the Velodrome um, and leading up to it uh, was just fantastic community support. So uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about, you, you know, your experience at the, the Olympics this yeah. year. Um, and one of the big things about the Olympics this year, obviously, is, was COVID. And so what was it like for you when, when you got there? Um, did you have to get tested daily? Did you have to quarantine at all? What, what was the atmosphere like in terms of like following COVID guidelines and protocols? Um, it was, it was, it was very tight. Um, I, I would say it was the environment was kind of tense before I got there. Oh yeah. Like I wasn't exactly sure about what to expect. Um, like, and it sounded like some of the protocols were very, very stringent. Um, mm-hmm. like you mess up once and it sounded like you were kind of, you're out of there. They had the, the authority to kick you out if you weren't following protocols. Okay. I, everyone I saw, um, was, you know, very careful with, uh, with how they conducted themselves. Um, but I was only at the satellite village, so I'm not, as, I, I can't speak for the, um, the regular oh, Tokyo okay. village. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you were but, staying outside of the main. Yes. Like, the main village. village. Is that because the velodrome was located outside of Tokyo? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we were oh, about. We were about um, two to three hours uh, south of Tokyo on the Izu Peninsula. Okay. Um, so it's it's like kind of a less populated. It was kind of forested up in the up in the hills there. Okay. It was actually very very picturesque. Okay. Um, but they have like like a, a Kirin training facility there. Uh, so there's probably like three outdoor tracks, and then there's a beautiful new indoor velodrome there as well oh wow okay yeah um, well at least you weren't as far as uh like evan dunphy and race walk yeah <laughs> on an entirely separate island <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool did you get a chance to go to the main um village olympic village area at all or unfortunately i didn't okay. um just with uh how my uh final event went and um well, the time that it ended and the time that I had to leave uh, the next morning for my flight, it just, it was not feasible at all. Right. It was probably, uh, I mean, I finished I finished the finals TP at probably 6 p.m. and then I was out of there at 6 a.m. the next morning. So oh, <laughs> it was wow. a pretty quick turnaround, yeah. Yeah. Um, was that just, was that, is that part of the protocol as well? Like you got to get out of there as soon as yes. possible yeah, after yeah. your event? It was um, the time. The time frame was bef- uh, within forty-eight hours of your event, um, mm. but I guess it was just because of flights and stuff to Vancouver that they had me fly out of earlier. Right. Okay. Um, and what were your first impressions upon arriving in Japan? Had you been there before? Yeah, we had. Um, we had done an Olympic uh, reconnaissance two years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, um, so I was, I'm actually pretty fortunate that I got to see a bit of Japan um, before, you know, all the COVID uh, closures and everything like that. We had gone, um, we had, we had gone downtown Tokyo and we had, you know, been able to ride our bikes, you know, did some big training rides around some of the beautiful mountain roads and uh, gone and ate, you know, uh, 
bento boxes and stuff like that at cafes. So it was, that was pretty special um, nice. last time we were there. Nice. Um, yeah, we even desecrated uh, uh, Sacred Hot Springs. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, how did this particular event feel? I mean, it's so different because of, of COVID, but I know you've participated and competed in a lot of other international competitions before but the Olympics is, you know, supposed to be a whole nother level. How did it feel compared to other international competitions you've been in? It, it, it was, it, it's, it was really strange because it actually felt like a regular world cup that yeah. I had been to just without like too many spectators and with, you know, the comp competitors that I see, you know, at every, competition it, it, yeah. it was hard to kind of discern from it being an yeah. extra special competition um apart from you know the olympic rings on the velodrome and sure. you know a few extra cameras um hey i did see i know there weren't supposed to be any spectators in, in the stands but from time to time i did see like people i mean who, who was up, who was up there actually so with uh, the velodrome being outside of the tokyo uh, prefecture or province, um, they were allowed to have a few spectators in, in the audience. Oh, okay. Um, I, I'm sure there are highly contested tickets, so I'm not sure exactly if, uh, you know, if they're really expensive or whatnot, but there was a few other events as well that were outside of the Tokyo area, like, um, the, the men's or the, well, the Olympic road races, yep. uh, cycling road races, um, race walk, and uh, there was also a few um, uh, soccer matches and stuff as well. Um, okay. Yeah. They're outside of that zone. Okay. Yeah, I think, uh, but generally they tried to uh, have the appearance of no spectators at the Olympics to, uh, yeah. you know, kind of maintain that image of safety and everything like that. Yeah. Well, it's pretty hard to do on a on a road race or a marathon, exactly. marathon exactly. course, right? Yeah. Um, what were, what were some of the team's goals going into the Olympics? Did you guys have your, your goals set on like reaching the podium or setting, setting personal bests or anything like that? I mean, of course, like uh, I think personal bests were always on the, were always the goal. I think they're probably the goal for every Olympian. And that's all you kind of can expect from, your athletes is to perform the best they ever have at the Olympics. And I think that should be the gold standard. I yeah. think that's what like, I think that's what people should really focus on is, is that, you know, that the athletes have trained their hardest for the Olympics and they're going the best. I think that, yeah. you know, focusing on like medals and stuff like that is probably maybe even like kind of counterintuitive and against some of the like, real reasons why we go to the olympics okay um but of course like is, is you know, that why I, I was just gonna say that you know the after after our fourth place at worlds there in um in uh poland uh we had set our sights pretty high on the podium and okay. then it's weird to you know kind of come down from that and uh you know go 12th at worlds and then the next year and then have kind of to rethink and reevaluate and 
you know, ask yourself, well, like, where can we actually land on the podium? And, or if we can land the podium or where are we going to come in, you know, the eight nations that actually are sent to the Olympics. Um, so I think that we had always just this last little while had the expectation of just going the fastest we ever have been. And that's kind of, we focus on ourselves and we focus on our, on our own performance and try not to think about anyone else. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, is that why then, you know, like after you guys smash that Canadian record um, in your race against Germany for, for I think it was a five, six race. Yeah. Um, you were like, after the race, you celebrated as if you meddled, like, you know, yeah. it was such a huge uh, accomplishment. And I saw you up there and you were so happy and, you know, waving your, raising, raising your arms and pumping your fist. Like you had just won. Um, a gold medal it just feels good to it feels good to perform at your best it's probably just as good as a, a feeling as as winning a medal sometimes yeah did you do you personally have any pre-race rituals like i mean i we have uh we have like a schedule most of the day before we compete um but probably like the the one thing that i do before every ride is once i get up on the track I uh, I kind of put my hands on the on the fence mm-hmm. and take a couple deep breaths and just look at my just look at the ground and close my eyes for a second and do then do a couple ankle hops and and get ready for my ride. Right on, cool. That's my little ritual. What other Olympians that were at the games from other sports would you have liked to have met or or watched during their games? I think I think I I would have liked to have uh, met some of the surfers actually. Oh yeah, <laughs> it might be kind of cliche, but uh, I think that surfing is a pretty cool sport and uh, do you definitely do any surfing yourself. Yeah, I do a little bit of surfing here on the west coast, um, but you know, definitely not to the Olympic standards for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, where where were some of your your? I know there's so many different moments from these past games that. I personally can think of. What were some of your favorite moments? I'll, I'll give you three favorite moments from the games um, or from your experience there. Oh, geez. Um, so there was, uh, I can't remember exactly what swim race this was, um, but it was, a, it was a Brazilian who came third. And he ended up, he was just so excited about just meddling and the u.s swimmer that had won was very stoic about his his victory okay and uh it was just so it was so good to see um his enthusiasm for meddling when it just it just like made it apparent to me how much and how little it can mean for some people with expectations for what they are, what they can do coming into the Olympics right? and just making the moment special, no matter how they performed, even if they performed better than they could have, or they performed exactly how they should have, you know, it's expectations that kind of make it a special moment for you. And I think that that was kind of, 
that made me like think about you know what I wanted out of it and stuff like that a bit more. So that was a special moment for me. Um, another special moment was uh, in um, in our in the men's team pursuit. Um, the Aussies end up crashing and breaking. Well, one of them broke their bars on the start. Oh. And, uh, yeah, he went, it was the starter actually. And it was probably like three laps into the race. Uh, his bars snapped. I think they were 3d printed and they just failed. And, um, they, they had to re-ride. Um, and the next, the next day, uh, none of them felt confident with their handlebars. So, uh, they ended up changing them to the, the old bars, the, the bars that came with their bikes and stuff. And oh, okay. the, I guess there weren't, wasn't enough pairs for everyone. So actually Canada ended up lending, um, one of the Aussies, Kellen O'Brien, a uh, pair of our handlebars to use in his, uh, round one and finals. And they ended up, you know, winning a bronze medal. Yeah. Yeah. But it felt, it felt good <laughs> on, to, on, um, your bar, on your bars. Yeah, on our on bars, Canadian, exactly. Canadian bars, yeah. On Canadian bars, so it, it felt good to be, you know, like a little part of like someone's success. Yeah. Um, oh, that's it's not like we we're helping the performance or anything like that. You know, they still had to perform, but it feels good to like give them the chance to perform at least. So that yeah, was a, that was a nice nice. special moment for sure. That's a nice little story. I'll have to think about the third one, but those are two ones so far. Okay, cool. Um, so it sounds like you're... You're taking a lot of time to just chill, relax after years of probably just like eat, sleep, train, repeat. Yeah. Um, what's uh, what's up for the rest of your your summer? Do you have any plans? Um, well, the next plan is uh, we're doing a little road trip uh, to northern BC. Um, do some sightseeing, and then. In the fall, uh, or actually, well, in the winter, I'm going to go back to school at UVic. Okay. What are you studying? Uh, marine biology. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, what what so, kind of year are you in? Um, it would be well. It would be first first year. Um, okay. I picked I picked off a couple courses while you know over the last over the last few years, um, but it just you know. Uh, online classes is was never my kind of cup of tea, and I'm excited to actually attend school. And it, especially when you know you're you're traveling a lot, and there's no you know kind of set timeline, or um, there's no you know you don't have a rhythm or a schedule to kind of complete these things in an orderly fashion. Uh, it's a it's a tough ask for sure. Okay, so you're going to go back to school. Um, yeah. In the fall, is that going to be a full-time course load type of thing or um yeah i think i'll take a full a full-time course load um at least for a couple semesters okay um i still haven't i still haven't ruled out going to the next olympics but i okay. i feel like uh it's, it's it's really important for me to at least uh check off a year of school before i mm -hmm. commit to another olympics for sure Okay. So what happens with the, with the national team program then? Are you, are you still part of that for this coming year? Um, or how does it work? I, I'm actually not 100% sure exact, exactly what it all entails. 
Okay. Um, I I'll probably you know just talk to the coaches and let them know my interests and. Okay. Are you going to get be... back on the bike anytime soon? Oh uh, yeah, I'm going mountain biking this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah, I'm going to go rip some trails up in Cumberland. So right on. Be do a good it, time. Little, little biking that you don't usually get to to do. Yeah, maybe turn. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll turn right a couple times. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, if you remember how. <laughs> <laughs> I, do you have to lean into that? I don't even know. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, well, um, did you come up with a third one yet, or are we gonna oh, yeah. we gonna stick to the two? Maybe we'll just stick to the two for now. All right, sounds good. Um, well, Jay, I really appreciate your time. I don't want to keep you um, any longer. I just want to thank you again for doing this, and I wish you continued success in school and anything else you put your mind to. Um, do you have any final thoughts or words to share with the cycling BC community? I just, I, I hope everyone has a, a great time on their bike and uh, just keep enjoying cycling. It's, you know, after all it is like, it is something that brings us a lot of passion and I just, you know, hope that everyone, you know, keeps that in mind that, just don't, you know, not to take it too seriously sometimes. Make sure you're, you know, kind of enjoying it. And, um, yeah. Absolutely, brother. Yep. Awesome. Oh, and hey, man, have a happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah, that's coming up pretty if, soon. If I'm not mistaken, your birthday is coming up at the end of the week. It is. That's, right? that's it. Yeah. Awesome. Happy birthday, Jay. Take care. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. You can check out all other episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anchor.fm slash cyclingbc, wherever you get your podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. And in the meantime, be safe and enjoy the ride.